to the second episode of the Alfa Romeo Driver podcast. I'm Guy Swarbrick and today I'll be talking about the Alfa Romeo Owners Club Virtual Racing Championships. Over the next half hour I'll be talking to four of the competitors from the championships and to Nick Day from Chris Knight Insurance who are sponsoring the series. Before we begin though I'd just like to apologise for the audio quality in parts of the podcast. My PC wasn't really up to the job so that's been replaced in time for episode 3 um, and we'll make the best of what we've got for now. The idea for the championship came about in the early part of the lockdown when I was watching the early rounds of Formula 1's eSports series. I wondered if we could set up something similar to keep club members amused. I already had a game called Assetto Corsa which had a range of alphas available to race and the ability to race others online, so I started looking into how to set it up. It quickly became obvious that we'd have to run our own server and after about three hours of trying to work out how to set one up, I discovered a hosting company that had done all the hard work for us. Now all I had to do was to work out a structure for the championships. I suspected a lot of people would like to run the same model of car they own in real life, so I set up four classes, Mito, Julieta and Julia, to cater for owners of more recent models, and 105 Julia GTA to cover everyone else. A championship's limited by the number of pit garages available at the circuits you run, so when we got past 24 competitors we had to split the races in two. To make life difficult, the lap times for Mito, Julieta and GTA were all very similar, so we put the Julias and Mitos together in one race and the Juliettas and GTAs in another, with all the classes earning points separately. The other complication was that while Assetto Corso was chosen partly because it runs on consoles as well as on the PC, it turns out that the public servers only support the PC version. That meant we had to do something different for those members who wanted to compete but had consoles. We came up with the idea of a hot laps challenge, with participants having a week to set the fastest lap they can with a different car and circuit combination every week. To tie the two competitions together, the circuit they're competing on is the one scheduled for this weekend's PC Championship races, with one of the cars from the series. With everything set up, and reminded of the initial inspiration of the series coming from F1 drivers on lockdown, I approached Andy Robinson, the championship coordinator of the 750MC Alfa Romeo Championship, to see if he'd like us to set up something similar for their drivers. He jumped at the chance, and so the ARCA Virtual Racing Championship runs in parallel with the AROC series, visiting the same circuits but with slightly different cars and slightly different regulations. We'll be talking to Andy in a couple of weeks' time. To be honest, I've been amazed at how successful it's been. I thought we'd keep a few members happy for a couple of weeks. The Facebook group I set up to support competitors has well over 100 members, and we have over 40 competitors across the three competitions. Not only that, but very early on, the club's insurance partner, Chris Not Insurance, stepped in to offer some prizes. We'll be talking to Nick Day from CKI later in the podcast, and Gary Fisher from Totally Alpha offered to make some of his very special trophies for the winners. As this podcast was being published, cars were on track for round five of what was originally a six-race series. So with the lockdown continuing, what happens next? Well, the winners of the AROC and ARCA series now move on to a Pro-Am series, all racing the same cars on the same circuits, but with balance of performance ballast to try and even up the racing. We also have a series of non-championship challenges in 90s DTM cars and historic alphas to fill in the gaps between race weekends and for those who can't commit to a full championship series. If you haven't tried it yet, why not give it a go? As you'll hear in a minute, we have people competing with full gaming rigs, cheap steering wheels, basic console controllers and even keyboards. Assetto Corsa will run on quite a low-spec PC or a laptop, so what have you got to lose? And if you don't want to race but are missing live motor racing on TV, the races are being streamed in the official AROC Facebook group, and replays of most races are available. It's surprising how compelling it is just watching the live timing screens and moving map displays. For those of you old enough to remember watching Formula 1 on CFAX in the 80s, it's even more exciting than that. For more details, join the AROC Racing Leagues group on Facebook, or take a look at aroc.assetocorsaservers.com to see what we're up to.
To give you a flavour of the competition, with me now I have Rob Whitney, Alex Smith, Timothy Perry and Elio D'Alessandro. Welcome everybody. Let's start with you, Rob. Tell us a little bit about your motorsport and esports background and how you got involved with the AROC Championships. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I've done, I sort of started off um, 20 years ago, a bit of karting, um, then got into doing track days in my Fiat Cinquecento and gradually progressed through various track cars. Um, actually sat my ARDS test uh, and got my race like racing licence um, in to do a series called Ben Cup, which is a silhouette series with, uh, with like, they look, they look like wagon beetles, but they're not. Um, and then the, uh, global financial crisis happened. So there's no sponsorship. <laughs> so went back to track days, uh, after a bit of a, bit of a hiatus. Yeah. Just sort of been doing that, uh, up until about five years ago where I had a bit of a, bit of a traumatic incident. Um, and my, my first track day again was this year, uh, actually. So um, just got back into it. In, in terms of sim racing and, and gaming, um, this is my first proper um, shot at it. Um, I used to play Colin McRae Rally on the PS2 many, many moons ago. But in terms of, of car racing using a, you know, a, a realistic um, physics engine sim, and the steering wheel, this is literally my first first shot. And I only got the wheel literally two days before the first round. Yeah, all a big bit of a baptism of fire. It seemed like a really good idea to be part of. And um, it's been a huge, huge learning curve. Um, I'd, I'd say, you know, I kind of jumped in, of, in without thinking a little bit, thinking it, I'd be okay. And uh, it's been a massive, massive learning curve. But the first uh, first race was a, was a shocker. Um, getting punted off on the first corner. Um, Brands was not so bad, um, but I fell foul of the sin bin and spent 20 seconds in the pits with this controls lot. So, oh, that was quite interesting. Remind um, us, remind us who you last weekend, put in the sin bin, Rob? I think it might have been you, Guy. Yeah, I think it might have been. <laughs> and then at Spa last weekend, put a load and load of practice in for that um, and uh, was really pleased with my race performance on that um, after being collected I think by you guy <laughs> on the start finish <laughs> and spun yeah. round like a spinning top um, so then yeah recovered up the escape road of very region put in a, a solid solid performance being chased down by you guy <laughs> so yeah really, really loving it it's been a great uh, great thing to be part of over the last uh, last few weeks in, in the middle of all this craziness and uh, yeah, looking forward to this weekend and back to work on Monday. So I'm going to obviously try and find some time to, to do some practice in between working. Thanks, Rob. And Alex, what's your background? Probably sim racing. I've probably started doing it quite a bit more regularly for the past two or three years now. I've never really had the chance to do anything like karting because around here there's no tracks or anything like that. And it's a bit of a laborious drive to go to 50 miles or so. How, what made you get involved with the with the championship? Yes, yeah, so mainly this series. I got involved because I'd just been given a couple of weeks off work while everything was been sorted. So I was looking for something to do, and I've been with the club since about I think it was about October, but I'd never really had any chance to do anything with the club. So I, I thought, oh, I'm actually not too bad at this. I might give it a little bit of a go. And then, of course, you go into it and you find there's a lot of more people who are spending a lot more time far ahead of you. 
like Frank, was it Francisco or something. Yeah, I think the two main challenges seem to be competing against the people who've been able to spend hours and hours practicing and the ones who have years of esports experience. And then you've got people with loads of experience and loads of free time to practice. Talking of which, Timothy, I think you've got a bit more experience than Rob and Alex. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, so basically, I got into um, racing when I was a teenager, I suppose, just um, doing playing stuff like Forza and, um, you know, um, on the on the PlayStation Gran Turismo, and then that moved into actually real racing. So um, when I was in my early twenties, racing Alpha Thirty Three in the Alpha Romeo Championship, that was from um, about two thousand eight two thousand nine, and then after that it was a bit more sporadic really. So um, occasional trips abroad to Spa and then um, Zandvoort as well in. Um, various alphas, 156s, 147s, stuff like that. And then um, when I so I had to give up the racing because of financial reasons, I moved into the sim racing, which um, provided quite a good kind of um, release of the, you know, from that competitiveness that I wanted. So um, I moved into kind of fairly serious sim racing, playing iRacing, which is probably the sort of like the top tier virtual racing sims really i did that for about two three years um kind of took a bit of a break for a few years it's quite intense when you really get really get into it kind of thing but um i've been just getting back into it over the last two months really and uh really enjoying it again and obviously love this series as well it's it's um very friendly series and quite competitive so yeah it's perfect really and there are some pretty good drivers in the arca series aren't there yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's just only a, some pretty good competition. I think that's the thing, you know, when you compete, when you actually compete in real life with cars, it makes you you're a sort of very competitive person. And um, that just translates straight over to the computer games. And, you know, you just want to win, basically. So you're willing to put in the time to, to win. So, yeah. So last but not least, Elio. You're in a slightly different situation than the others in that you're playing a set of course on the Xbox. So you can't really compete in the championships. But you're doing pretty well in the Hot Laps Challenge. Tell us a bit about your background. Uh, so currently, um, before the lockdown and everything went um, went as we are in the situation now, um, I've been karting for the last 10 years um, at club, uh, regional and national level um, and have uh, last year finished third at the Maxis TKM Festival uh, which is a one-off, uh, uh, one-off championship event, and finished third in the country. Um, and I've had various success uh, throughout karting, um, but not quite lucky enough to get into the full British Championship uh, campaign and also progress into cars. Um, I've also, for like online gaming and sim racing, etc., uh, I'd say I've been probably doing that for the best part of seven to eight years now really it was when the first uh code masters f1 games came out in 2012 and 2011 that's when i started getting really hooked into it um using the playstation 3 platform and then we progressed onto playstation 4 and now we've also got the xbox uh, one platform as well um with quite a nice uh, sim rig setup as well um, so we can play about three different game consoles and just change the steering wheel and pedal box around and still keep the same rig. Thanks for that. And that's the perfect segue to my next question. 
You can spend a fortune on equipment for esports, but I think between the five of us, we've got quite a range of investments. So Elio, tell us a bit more about your setup. So we run for the rig, just for the seat frame, um, we run a GT Amiga uh, setup. And then with the Xbox steering wheel and pedal box, we use uh, Logitech G9200 uh, series, I believe. I, but do correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and then for the PlayStation 4 and please, uh, PlayStation 3, we use the Thrustmaster uh, T150. Thanks, Elio. I think that's a bit more sophisticated than your setup, Alex. It's just a classic PS4 controller, sort of jury rigged to a PC. <laughs> I see all you've got your wheels. Well, I think there's at least one competitor who's got an even more basic setup. I think a couple of us have had experience of Peter Davis and his keyboard. <laughs> I, I think he does remarkably well considering. How are you finding it using the controller? It's not too bad, as long as you have the um, ABS on. Yeah, braking's not too progressive with a controller. That's why you see me in every corner, it's just a cloud of smoke. But it's clearly not too much of a handicap. You're currently second in the Mito class and sixth overall. Rob, I think you're another T150 user? Yeah, another T150 user. Um, nothing special about my PC or anything. It's just a regular Dell laptop. Um, and so I'm at a desk with a... It is actually a gaming seat, but not a racing gaming seat. Um, just a regular uh, monitor that I've brought home from work. Um, and yeah, just a T150 kit. Not as not even as good as yours, Guy. Uh, I've just got the two-pedal set on mine, um, which I've done a bit of a, bit, a few mods to. I've actually swapped the pedals out to a set of um, Arbar 595 metal pedals <laughs> to give me a bit better uh, control and grip. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things that you get into and then you start lusting over 600 quid uh, steering wheels with, with swappable wheels and all this stuff. So I can see how it became a really addictive hobby. Have you been watching Colin Cuniff with his VR headset on the live stream? Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I, yeah. I, I've tried a VR headset a few times and instantly felt seasick with it. So um, I'm not sure that'd be a very good idea, but... Uh, um, yeah, just uh, all those little tweaks that you can make and uh, going in into all the different settings. I've tried it with room speakers and with headsets and uh, padding behind my seat and um, different race boots and gloves. And it's uh, remarkable what uh, what all these little things can shave a few, few tents off. Gloves and boots are acceptable, I think. It's when you start wearing a helmet. Yeah, I haven't gone quite that far yet. <laughs> Although I, have, I have been, since I've been watching Colin with his VR headset, I thought, I wonder if anybody sells a, a helmet with a headset modification so you can have an Oculus Rift in a helmet. And they do, and they're only five. Right? <laughs> the hands device is optional, though. But again, I think if you're at risk of a basal skull fracture in a sim, you're probably taking it too seriously. Tim, what's your setup? Yeah, so this might sound a little bit excessive, but uh, in comparison, but... Yeah, so um, I've got a Logitech G29, uh, which is fairly standard, to, to, to be fair. I think anything too much more than 200 quid, 300 quid is starting to, you know, it, it might be a bit more immersive in terms of speed. You're not really gaining much, I suppose. Um, I'm in the process of upgrading my computer at the minute. So I've got a um, basically a two grand computer on the way. Should be with me next week, I think. So uh, with the latest all in graphics card. 
and that, and that's basically because I've got a new 34 inch ultra widescreen monitor, which I'm playing on, which um, I would say that the, the wider screen monitors and especially the triple screens can help quite a lot with the sim racing in terms of your, not only in terms of like the immersion factor, but also in terms of being, being able to see the apexes and have a wider field of view really. And avoid other cars, Rob. Yeah, that'd be a really good idea, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing how much these little things can make a difference. And obviously, with virtual reality as well, you know, you've got um, you, you can literally see everything. And you know, and this, and I think once you get used to the seasickness type feeling, that it can be very good actually. And probably a, it can sometimes be a cheaper way to go rather than getting the really big widescreen monitors. Are you running a single screen, or are you running three? Yes, I'm running a single screen, but it's a 34-inch ultra-wide screen curved one. So, you know, I find that gives the best of both worlds, really, because with the triple screens, you need a you need absolutely insane kind of computer hardware to run. So, I've, I've kind of just gone with the ultra-wide screen as a bit of a compromise, really. And then, in terms of the actual sim rig, at the minute, I'm actually racing on on an office chair which swivels and moves around. So, that's certainly not ideal. But I'm actually um, I've actually designed my own my own sim rig and i've ordered all the parts for it so i'm going to be building that out of wood and i've got a a second hand real racing bucket seat that i'm going to install and so it's all going to be custom built basically so that that'll be an interesting little project for me coming up it will and one of the things i was going to say is that you've been very helpful on the facebook group posting video tutorials on breaking points and comparing different cars and circuits will we get a step-by-step video of how to build the gaming rig or is that giving away too much of your competitive advantage? No, yeah, yeah, more more than happy to do that. Yeah, it should, it should make quite a good video actually. Watching me trying to cut wood and stuff is uh, a yeah, uh, yeah. I'm saying not as good as good at that as I am at driving. So yeah. Elio, the last few rounds of the Hot Laps Challenge will all be on circuits we're using for the championship, but once that's finished, we'll throw in a few more one-off challenges. Are there any car and circuit combinations you'd like to see us do? Good question. I understand that we have to keep it out from our own. Um, so probably like to see the 4C as a hot laps challenge and probably round, why not Zandvoort? Zandvoort's certainly interesting. It's a good way of testing the deflection on the view on your monitor as you go over the bumps. But it's not as bad as the banking on the 1966 Monza circuit. Alex, it looks as though you're going to qualify for the Prime series against the Arca drivers and will probably take advantage of some of the car and track mods that are available to make things more interesting. Anything out there you'd like to see us try? I haven't been looking online at the minute, but I imagine there's some Formula One stuff out there waiting for you to find it. Yeah, I think we could actually do a 24-up F1 race with this year's Alfa Romeo racing all in C39, although I think there are only three liveries available, Kimmy's, Giovinazzi's, or the snakeskin livery they use for testing. Rob, any thoughts on the Pro-Am series? Uh, yeah, I mean, the Pro-Am would be ace if, if, I, uh, if I pull my finger out over the next... Uh, next three rounds and get some decent points in but I think it's probably a little bit out of reach at the moment coming from um, zero sim experience um, but in terms of um, something to to look at for the future I think I will stick with the sim racing um, and it's the more I've done it the more kind of believable it's become certainly the the, the race at Spa last weekend felt very real. Um, I, I was at Spa in 2012 for the Spa Italia um, race. Not race weekend, it's it a car show. Um, but we did a track day there and it, it all came back, you know. 
So I think it is it is quite addictive. And and while while real track days are, are off the table at the moment, I think the the a set of courses are really great platform. It's funny you should say that because the reason we did the first hot lap challenge on the Silverstone International Circuit was because I did a track day there at the end of last year. That's actually where I met Elio. So I thought I might have some chance of being competitive there. I was wrong. <laughs> Timothy, is there anything you'd like to see us try? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm really looked at the uh, mods available on a set of courses. I don't really know exactly what's out there. Obviously, the Formula One car is, um, you know, would be great to drive in that. But, I mean, I really like the 155, you know, of all the cars I've driven on a set of Corsa, I think the 155 DTM car is the one that feels alive. It feels like a real car. It feels like you're really having to drive it. Whereas some of the other slower ones, especially the Julia QV this week, it feels like you're driving on jelly. It really does. It's a very strange kind of, um, I, you know, I don't think they've modeled that one as well as they have the 155. Yeah, I mean, I haven't got anything like the experience you've got, but there is a huge difference from one car to the next in terms of how it feels. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, obviously, I've never driven a 155 DTM car, so it's, it's hard for me to know <laughs> if, it, if that is real or not, yeah. but it just feels like you're driving a racing car, you know. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things we've experimented with, I'm not sure if Rob tried this, but we did put together a package of historic cars and tracks, Goodwood Circuit, GTAM, TZ, and a couple of others, and we uploaded them to the server so that people could play with a set of mods without having to go and track them all down. Sounds good. Yeah, I mean, some of the uh, other cars I think would be really good to to play with. Um, I've stuck to the Giulietta because of uh, actually having one. Um, so I've, uh, you know, wanted to keep with keep with that. But certainly a 4C would be one I'd really like to try. One last question. We set all this up to give people who are stuck at home or those who are still at work and wanting a diversion something to do during the crisis. But we still have the server when this is all over. So is this something you think you'll continue to do when things return to normal? Absolutely, Aaron. Obviously, we've been on Sunday. There's not too much going on. So, what is your situation at the moment, Alex, in terms of the lockdown? Uh, so, in a minute, I'm going back to work now, and it's usually in the morning up into about the early afternoon. Apart from that, there's not too much difference. And Elio, do you think you'll carry on with the hot laps challenges once the initial competition's over? Most definitely. I think it's quite a good thing to do, and it's quite a good way of engaging with the club. And we've other uh, members of the club. Uh, from when we're not at the car shows or car events or track days this year because it seems to be very highly unlikely that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, so, yeah, definitely up for it. Rob, do you think this is just a lockdown thing or, or will you carry on beyond that? Yeah, I definitely will. Uh, I've already, already looked, looking at uh, getting an upgrade on the uh, steering wheel and uh, and pedals and, and want to build a proper rig in my um, summer house where I've got a projector. Um, and looking at you know getting a PC and stuff to, to run it. So yeah, I think it's going to definitely be a you know one of my main new hobbies, and uh, would love to carry on doing stuff with with Arrow. And Tim, you've been doing this for a while. You're obviously in this for the long haul. So I'll ask you a slightly different question. We've obviously got some very good drivers from the Afromeo Championship in the Arca series, but I think there were 23 or 24 registrations for this season, and we've got what eight or nine in the virtual series. Is there anything you think we can do to get more people involved? Um, it's hard to know really what their situation is in terms of, you know, obviously you do need the hardware to be able to be able to race. Um, obviously we'll keep in the messages out there to the drivers and seeing if they want to do it really. And I think the longer the, lock, yeah, the, longer the lockdown goes on and not even lockdown, but really the not being able to race, the more they will want to race 
somewhere and do something. So, yeah, I think, you know, we might be able to get a few more drivers in. People keep talking about the new normal. I think for a lot of people who are involved in motorsports or do a lot of track days, esports might be the new normal for quite a while. I say, I mean, literally esports has absolutely rocketed in the last month or so. You know, the, the numbers racing on iRacing have gone through the roof. And it's the same on a set of Corsa as well, you know. And it only takes half those people to continue afterwards. And it's going to be a massive thing compared to where it is, to where it was a few months back. I think you're right. Thanks, Tim. And to Rob, Alex and Elio for taking the time to join us this afternoon. And good luck with the rest of the season, unless you're racing in my class. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, we were lucky earlier this week to get some time with Nick Day from Club Insurance, Chris Knott, who've generously agreed to provide some prizes for the competitions. Nick, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. Um, obviously, Chris Knott's been involved with the Owners Club for a long, long time now. What, what does that involve in a normal year? It's, yeah, I mean, we're ordinarily we're attending Spring Alpha Day, uh, the National for sure, uh, maybe Hever Castle when they do the Alfesta del Papa. Um, so we'd attend with the gazebo there and uh, sponsor the trophies and offer some prizes. So this is yeah. a good substitute for that, I think. Yeah, so when, when did you hear about the, the virtual racing competition? Well, as, as well as being longtime supporters and uh, partners of the club, I, I'm actually a fully paid up member myself. So uh, I received your email and uh, quickly got on, on to Nick Wright and said, look, there might be an opportunity here for us to, to work together, given that things are going to be slightly different this season. Have you been following the racing at all? I must confess, until very recently, I hadn't been. Just because time pressures, you know, work is a lot more uh, demanding at the moment. We're having to do a lot more just to stand still. Yeah, I haven't until recently, but I, I did check in and I was pleased to see that our local Kent and East Sussex sections uh, leading the GTA table at the moment. When you saw the announcement, were you tempted to have a go yourself? or? Uh, no, most definitely not. No, I... <laughs> I consider, it doesn't everybody, I consider myself to be a good car driver in the real world. I'm a motorcyclist as well. Um, but get me on any simulator or driving game and I, I'm just bouncing off the barriers. <laughs> so to save any embarrassment, I, I, no, I, just, I wasn't tempted at all to get involved. So obviously this is a, a little bit different. We, we're having discussions now about whether we carry on doing stuff like this after the lockdown because it was prompted by this, but it, it's not necessarily dependent on this. Have you seen any other interesting lockdown ideas for any of the other, from any of the other clubs you're involved with? Well, any clubs that are doing something different, what you might call a no-show, uh, tending to go for the virtual show and shine idea. Chris not held ours last year, so we didn't really see ourselves as trendsetters at the time. But I think most clubs just seem to be hunkering down and planning to come back bigger and better when, you know, when this is all over. And I think we'll see some very well attended and maybe some quite interesting events in the, uh, sort of in the live season when we, when we come back to things. Of the things that you've seen people doing, so the, the virtual racing, the virtual show and shine, do you see those kind of things continuing when things return to whatever normal is after this? Why not? I mean, they say uh, necessity is the mother of invention, don't they? But it also, I think, forces you to do things differently anyway. You know, take a leap and, and, and try something new. You know, wouldn't it be great if the virtual racing championship was a regular feature on the calendar? We may even get a Chris Knott team together. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be in it, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd be surprised. Well, you never know. So obviously you're involved with our virtual racing championship, but that's not the only involvement you've got with motorsport this year, is it? No, we... Uh... <laughs> We arranged a prize uh, draw promotion and uh, it was 
Silverstone tickets for the British Grand Prix this year. And of course that's been canceled. So, you know, we had to look elsewhere, but we're, we're now offering 500 pounds worth of uh, British motorsport tickets in general uh, for when the seasons get up and running again. And uh, those tickets are valid for three years. So whoever wins it will be able to you know, pick and choose their preferred date and event really. And that covers all sorts of motorsport across the UK. Um, you know, members just get a quote before the end of June and uh, they get free entry in the draw. So it dovetails really nicely with, with what you're doing there. And uh, I, I saw it as a really good fit. It is indeed. Thanks, Nick. That was Nick Day from Chris Knight Insurance. Well, I hope you've enjoyed episode two of the Alfa Romeo Driver podcast. We currently have about a dozen episodes planned. You can see a provisional list at alfaromeodriver.podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. The plan is to publish a new episode once a week during the lockdown and then move to either every other week or maybe even once a month as things return to normal. If you have any ideas for subjects you'd like to see covered, please get in touch at editor at arock-uk.com. In the next episode, we'll be talking to Arock's tireless club manager, Nick Wright, about his role in normal times and how that's changed during the pandemic, about the car he bought the day before we were confined to our homes, and about what's happened to his iconic van during the lockdown. But until then, stay safe. <laughs>